Welcome to On the Bench. For Chris Nee, Brendan Sinone, I'm Josh Newberg, and um, we're here for a couple moral victory. Any time that I can get Chris Nee on a pod, it's a moral victory for me. Put it that way. So, welcome. How you guys feeling? I'm not here for your shenanigans long here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in a weird mood. I saw Hereditary last night, and I just keep seeing shit out of the corner of my eyes now. So, it's been a weird day. I haven't and seen I, it yet. You should. I don't even know what it is. What? I thought I was square what? for not for not seeing it for like a year. Anyways, this isn't the hereditary podcast. Keep it on track, Josh. Well, I was just waiting for you to finish because I want to know who do you guys think will be the starting QB? Because today uh, you guys had your last opportunity to speak with head coach Willie Taggart before the game on Saturday against Wake Forest. So I want to ask you, Brendan, who do you think will be the QB this week? You'll find out on Saturday. Chris. As far as a starter, do you anticipate who do you anticipate running out on the field first? You know, I'm truthfully not sure. I think it's somewhat a coin flip. I would say if I had to put money on one over the other, I'd probably go Blackman. Okay. Uh, so for context, real quick, I think he uh, and I promise it'll be real quick. Willie did decline to say who his starting quarterback was going to be this week. Uh, when asked if it's going to be James, he said you'll I'll, you'll find out on Saturday. Uh, then when asked about if he'll use two quarterbacks, you'll find out on Saturday. He has, as much as he's been indirect this year with the media, he has usually, when asked about the quarterback, like he, he at least gives some indication of his plans. Uh, he said a couple weeks ago, if James is healthy, he'll start. Uh, before the Clemson game, he said he'll start James, but they'll play both quarterbacks. So, so this is certainly different than than what it's been the past couple couple of availabilities. Yeah, um, he's not. You know, we don't really know which way, which direction they're going to go. Do you think Kendall Bryles has a preference, Chris? I do. I think Kendall Bryles would like to only play one. I don't think I'm not going to sit here and act like I know which one he would prefer. I think he just wants a guy that the offense can excel the most with and produce the most with and find a rhythm and kind of do their thing and get going and get back on track. The offense has kind of fallen off the tracks here in recent weeks. Brendan, just in your opinion, who do you think provides FSU the best opportunity to win on Saturday? On on Saturday, so for this specific opponent, given Wake Forest uh, just not having a very a very good defense, I would lean towards, and I think it's a coin flip. Truthfully, like I don't think either of these guys are like one's much better than the other. They do different things well, and they both have their weaknesses. Uh, if this was like NCAA football, they'd both be rated like an eighty-two overall, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an old reference, but, uh, but I think Hornerbrook, uh, for, for Wake Forest, because he can keep you on schedule. And, uh, I tend to believe that, that Bryles thinks that a more efficient short game passer is probably best for what his offense, uh, is capable of right now with the, with the issues at quarterback or at the offensive line, be unable to protect the quarterback. So, uh, I, I would lean towards Hornerbrook is, is probably the, uh, the better option of the two for this but, this week. But it, it, it's not a huge of, difference. At the peak of FSU's offense, this at their performance this season in the first six games, would you agree or disagree that James Blackman has been the guy to, when FSU's been playing at its peak, it's been behind Blackman? The offense at its best is with James when he's at his best. Like He gives him the highest upside. I would agree with that. Like You saw against Boise State early. Uh, in the year, and even some glimpses against Louisville, what James can do to stretch the field. The, the issue is whether he's uh, 
one being consistent as a passer and then two and, and probably more important is if he's being steady as a as a leader as someone emotionally we saw that become a problem late against Clemson and uh, and and that has to be resolved moving forward I think for James I like James I want him to do well at Florida State I think FSU's best off with James developing as a quarterback but but that means developing as a leader too and to be be as good of a leader on the field as he is on the bench right now uh we can't say that he is based on you know what we've seen when things have gone bad yeah, yeah james james's problem is peaks and valleys while alex is a little more steady eddie middle of the road but the peaks with james are greater than what alex can produce mm-hmm. i'd agree with that i think we see james blackman on saturday i think he gets the start based on what i've heard not i'm not getting real invested in this i'm taking willie taggart's advice and i'm just going to see on saturday who starts I'm personally looking forward to Friday night sitting at dinner with Sinone and he gets a text and for the next two and a half hours of his life, he's trying to figure out who's starting at quarterback when the people making the decision may actually not be sure who's starting at quarterback. You know I'm what? Just, you know what? Yeah, it's going to be worth the edit. Go <laughs> Chris. <laughs> totally worth just, it. Just saying for the fourth straight week, I'm hoping the tradition holds. If if somebody I out there, was doing it on the bye week, he was so during the bye week he was ah that Friday night. Yeah, so if somebody out there with double digit followers, you know, someone someone with like twenty eight followers, can tweet out that he knows that uh, the starting quarterback is going to be and get Brendan in an anxiety filled spiral, I'd appreciate that. Well, it's real hard to Some, do. God. Somewhere around eight p.m. on a Friday night, just go ahead and tweet that you know who the starting quarterback is going to be and you know what Brendan will be doing. Um. Chris, last year we everybody you know watched the way Willie handled Willie Taggart handled the DeAndre Francois quarterback situation uh, this summer. We watched the the QB battle ensue. Overall, six games in, how do you think Willie Taggart's handled the QB management in his second year as head coach at Florida State? I think he's kind of created himself a bit of a problem here. We'll see how he handles it this week and if he puts an end to what could become a problem. Uh, it's a tough situation. I, mean, I I wasn't against the idea of trying to two quarterbacks. Then you have the injury with James, which puts Alex in the driver's seat because he's the only one available. And then you kind of go back and forth with the Clemson game. I don't think it can continue. I don't think it's a massive problem at this point, but I don't think it can continue either. Is how I would put it. I would not compare it to last year. I think last year was handled much worse, personally. Okay. Let's move on. Um, injury update, Brandon. Give us a quick injury update as we head to Wake Forest. All right. Starting safety Cyrus Fagan is doubtful per Willie Taggart. Uh, Levante Taylor, also, I guess, a starting safety, depending on which week it is, uh, is probable he's going to play. Actually, he's going to play. Uh, he was out with a uh, lingering knee issue this past week per Willie. Uh, those are the two main ones right now. I'm interested to see with Cole Minshew and Jawan Williams how much they're available to play. Sounds like they both are good to go. Jawan Williams was limping a little bit heading into practice, uh, but you know, Willie said he's he's likely good to go. So uh, those are the main ones. The only other thing worth noting as it comes to to injuries or who's available, who's not. A uh, bit of an update for our listeners. Uh, Travis J is unlikely to be available the rest of the season. He hasn't played to date. Uh, dealing with a uh, initial eligibility uh, issue that has not been resolved. Uh, Willie Taggart said today that he's not expecting it to to be resolved this season right now. So, okay. yeah, yeah, there you go. Practice is about over for the week. We're recording this 
midway through the day on Thursday. So what have you guys been hearing coming out of practice, Brendan? Uh, so, and Willie was asked uh, about this today by uh, actually one of the, the like student newspaper reporters, I believe, but he was, uh, he was asked about being a little bit more vocal in practice this week. And, and the, uh, the rumor was that Willie really, really ripped into the team. I think it was during Monday or Tuesday's practice. No, it it was Tuesday. They have Monday off. It yeah, was sorry, Tuesday. it was Tuesday's practice. I said Monday or Tuesday. It's not just a straight no, Chris. I couldn't remember the exact date. It was earlier in the week. Anyways, the rumor was that that Willie really got into it uh, with the team, uh, expletives, flying, and uh, and it was specifically to the defense and kind of calling out their their toughness and say you guys like to to talk a lot of trash you know, during practice and and where's that during games though uh, you know basically telling them to to not get punked. Uh, apparently some players were getting into it and, and scrapping a little bit. I, I checked with someone else about the rumor and, and basically confirmed that was, that was the case, but also said that's not like super irregular. Like the, this kind of come to Jesus talk has happened before. So it's not like this was super out of the ordinary. I think maybe just it, it leaked out to the, the public a little bit more. Um, but, but Chris might have a little bit more insight than, than that as well. I was just told Tuesday was sort of a mess of a practice that it wasn't a very good day. It wasn't a productive day. Um, the main thing that I was told is that frustration, which is clearly abundant right now, especially coming off a performance where you got it handed to you and you played poorly, it kind of bubbled to the top and things happened. And, it, you know, it wasn't one of those days where you got 1% better. You didn't go into practice and you come out feeling better about yourself. But I do think guys got stuff off their chest, and I think the head coach got stuff off his chest. And, you know, hopefully it's one of those things that's kind of a pivot point for them and they do something with it going into the back half of the schedule. But it was not a good day for them. I was told Sunday was good that when they came back, you know, guys were kind of tuned in to trying to fix some of the miscues from Clemson and ready to move on and play the next few games. But it didn't carry over to Tuesday after the off day. I, I don't know if it was the heat getting the guys or what, but they were not happy with one another. And I, I, I semi-spaced out, Chris. Did you say that the practice ended early on Tuesday? Because that's what I heard. Is that it ended I didn't hear early? specifically that it ended early. I just heard it was not productive, that it was okay. a bad day of practice. Somebody actually said it was the worst day of practice this year. Um, and, you know, we've spoken about it previously that the week leading up to Virginia, they didn't have very good practices. That just didn't go well. Somebody told me that this was worse than anything that happened that week oh boy. as far as an individual practice day. So that bodes well for this weekend's game, right? <laughs> well, you know, I think no, that, it doesn't mean I, anything. It means nothing. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think sometimes it means that things are fracturing, which I don't think is the case here. And sometimes it's sort of a you needed that moment. Sometimes you need to yell at one another when you're a close-knit family, and I, I think that might be the case here too. I, you know, if it had carried over to Wednesday being bad and hearing something about today, which I haven't heard anything about yesterday or today. It, you know, it might be more concerning, but I think it might actually be good for them. There needs to be a lot of accountability within the team. You heard about Marvin making guys do stuff on Sunday. That's a good way of going about doing it. But this is also kind of another form of it. It, it isn't great to keep happening over and over, but happening in one instance, kind of blowing up one day, it may not be as detrimental as we may think it might be. No, I honestly see some positives in, in these guys fighting it out. I mean, at some point you got to show some fight and you're right. It's got to be directed to the playing field and within those, within the four quarters of football, but Hey, at least we're here and they're fighting. Um, let's take a quick break. 
On the other side, we'll get into the Q&A questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back on the bench. Um, Brendan, do you have the Q&A questions? You want to fire those at Chris and I? I'm pulling them up. Yep, I'm pulling them up. I am admittedly a little distracted right now. I just got a warning. (laughs) A tropical storm watch has been issued for Leon County. What the hell? When, When did that come from? Off the east side of Mexico. All right. That's how I'm going to sell it to my wife, Newberg. It's okay, honey. I'm leaving. You're here with the kids. You're good. (laughs) Yeah, I I may not be able to make the 10-hour car ride to uh, to North Carolina anymore. All right. We got about 10 questions. I told people we'd only read the first, like, three to five or three to five best ones, but I'm an habitual liar when it comes to that. So, all right, first question from VVJ1992. If Bra- oh, we already asked this question, but <laughs> if Browns had the final say on who's the starting quarterback, who would it be? We already went over this. Josh, do you have any thoughts on that, though? We already know what Chris is uh, Yeah, I was, I'm was. i kind of leaning towards Blackman. I think they had a lot of success early in the year. It seemed to come real easy, and then things fell apart. Okay. I think just find a guy, stick with him if you want to have a set rotation every now and then. Uh, but the waffling back and forth that we saw against Clemson was probably not not great for uh, for getting guys into rhythm. All right, this is from D-Bear Knoll. Uh, how many O-line transfers are you expecting? Uh, why isn't Lucas, that's Dante Lucas, getting all the snaps at guard as he is already better than the upperclassmen? Uh, Christopher, uh, the first part, transfers, and the second part, Lucas, just to refresh you there. They need as many as humanly possible. How many do I think they get? I don't know. I mean, that's a to-be-determined type thing. We didn't see him do a very good job being ultra-aggressive last year with the portal and with transfers. And I'm interested to see if that philosophy changes in this offseason. As for Lucas, I think some of it's just trying to keep his legs under him for a 12-game schedule. Dante's played very well. I believe he's the highest-graded O-lineman, according to PFF. You can correct that if I'm incorrect, Sonone. But uh, I think it's more just trying to keep him a little fresh and give him a break here and there. They do like to rotate their O-lineman a little bit. We saw more of it early in the year than we've seen moving forward. But I think you'll see Lucas get a predominant amount of snaps, especially when it's important snaps. Josh, any thoughts on the uh, on the transfer market for FSU? When it yeah, I, 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 I know you've been taking. I, the I see this question a lot. Like, how many do you expect? I mean, I think FS, I, I think FSU would like to take as many that would fill their holes as possible. <laughs> I think they would prefer to have a couple on each line, but I don't think that's going to be the reality of it. Um, it was a tough transfer market last year. I think you're going to see a little bit more of the same. We haven't uh, seen them become overly aggressive in the JUCO market. So maybe when the portal time comes around, they'll jump on it a little bit quicker than they did last year. I don't know. But I think that they need probably a handful. I think it's essential to to really tap into the transfer market. And it wasn't that they didn't try last year. Uh, they just only got Ryan Roberts. And I feel like the trade of you know, Landon Dickerson for Ryan Roberts isn't <laughs> now that Roberts has been bad, he's just he's a below average starter, about average at right tackle and better than what they had. But you know you can't do that one for one deal and lose someone who's been really good inside uh, for for Alabama. 
and not get anyone else other than the right tackle spot filled up. Like they just have too many holes on yeah. the offensive line right now. So yeah, um, it's not like with the transfers. It's not even solely getting guys who can start for you necessarily. It's about getting your two deep in a much better place. Correct. It, we all agree. I just make sure that, that you guys are on the same page as I am here. Like that, the, that they failed with the transfer market and both uh, Juco market last year. Correct. With your offensive line, like looking at what it is now. Yeah, of course. No doubt. Yes. Okay. All right. NC Knoll five. Uh, how is George Henshaw going to help the offense? Does Levitt take over next season? Ready for a basketball star or basketball podcast gave five stars. There's a lot to digest there. I got excited when I saw five stars, Chris, uh, you, you want to fill the people in about Henshaw? Yeah, actually, I had a conversation with somebody that's familiar with George and friends with somebody in their family. And they said that Henshaw is kind of an overseer for the offense, that he's not necessarily coaching this position or that position. He's kind of helping to give Willie advice with regards to coaching it, Um, kind of taking an outsider's view, taking the whole view, sharing what the view tells him. So he's not really like an X and O's guy. He's not maybe as hands on as Levitt has been in the sense of trying to correct things for the defense. He's more trying to help the coaching coach, I guess is a good way of putting it. Um, he's been around for a while. I don't want people thinking he just suddenly appeared and it's just suddenly hired. He's just now getting paid for something he's been doing for dating back to last year in reality, but he's been there pretty much all year this year. Did and then you, the did second you half that, that, Did you say that Levitt was hands on? Well, sorry, continue. Um, basketball podcast is a yes. And what oh, was the in between question for the man? He does Levitt take over next season. I think Chris already answered the, que- the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be yes. surprised at, at <laughs> yeah. this point if that's not the way it goes. Unless Levitt has another option. Right. right. I and mean, that's where it gets tricky. And, you know, I know some people after the Clemson game are saying, I'll get rid of Barnett. I don't think it's like a performance-based deal for just that game in a vacuum. Uh, if you are legitimately exploring the idea of bringing Jim Levin on as a defensive coordinator next season, which I think we're onto the belief that FSU is <laughs> is looking at doing that, like probably the best thing to do is to get that locked up so you don't run the risk of you know, him getting another job elsewhere. Like Josh said, you guys agree? That's, yeah, that's I, I was one of those people that thought firing Barnett might help release a valve of pressure on this program and also go ahead and do what the future probably holds anyways. Not rooting for him to get fired. I'm just saying I think it's eventually going to happen. And you can go ahead and bring in the other guy who can implement some of what he wants to do, recruit who he wants to recruit, and do it all above board. The message board did not like the uh, that's a million-dollar question response to Barnett when asked about the defense's lack of con- consistency. But I wasn't there, Chris. Do you have any context uh, for that? or was, did that? Did, I, was, you know, truthfully, right? I didn't catch it. Like, I heard him say it, but I didn't catch the context that might be there. I if he did that, then kudos to him. That's an incredibly well-placed <laughs> one on his part. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's what it, he was going for. But if he did, then, you know, whatever. He, he's here for like an hour, six to eight weeks, it seems like. so. All right. Podcast me. I love it. All right. Madge, USMC, Noel asks, is the King transfer a at court? Sorry, it's the King transfer at quarterback, a pipe dream. That's, that's referencing Houston's quarterback who – uh, is sitting out the rest of the season, and that's kind of a weird deal. Josh, I know you've done some digging on this in the past. I guess pipe dream, realistic possibility for Florida State if Kendall Bryles, obviously it's the connection there if he's still here. Is is that realistic for FSU or is pie in the sky? Well, I think there's some obvious dots that you could connect, but as far as there being anything there, um, 
yes, that's a pipe dream because I know there's been some rumors that uh, King's coming to Florida State. I spoke to somebody at Houston, and, and King has since come out to say that he's not transferring. Whether or not he transfers after the season, I think it's probably more than likely. Um, will FSU be the destination? That much I don't know. I mean, I think a kid like this, um, he's going he's gonna to have some interest. There's some obvious connections with Florida State, but it's certainly not a done deal. And I know that because if it was a done deal, there's some, there's some skill recruits out there that would like to know, you know, the future of this QB position, and they're not being told that King's coming. So once the staff feels confident to tell these, these recruits that um, they got a quarterback coming, then I'll start buying into it. But for now, there's just, I think there's some logical dots that you could connect to make a case that FSU would have a shot if he does become available. Do we think that FSU is going to explore the transfer portal when it comes to quarterbacks again, like they did last year, kicking the tires on when they were well, kicking the tires. I don't think on they'll him. take as many. Uh, I think they'll only take guys that can truly help them. This right. Time. This past you year, know, they needed bodies the last year because yeah. for different reasons. Yep. I'm with you. I, I do think if they do explore it, it's going to be in that upper tier, like surefire starter type of deal. All right. And, and kind of related, Carrie D. Noel asks if we, uh, or the odds are, what the odds are that we see any Jordan Travis this season. Right now he's the third string quarterback. Chris, do you think we see Jordan Travis at all? Uh, after the Clemson debacle and how poor they played, I'd be surprised. Like I thought if you were going to plug a guy in, that would be opportunity. I guess Alabama State's another one because hopefully you do handle that game appropriately. Other than that, they're going to be battling to win games. So, no, I don't expect them in any other opportunities. Josh? Uh, no. I mean, you guys would have a better read on that than me. I haven't heard anything to indicate that people behind the scenes feel that Jordan Travis is, is a viable option. I mean, hopefully we get to see him in some mop-up duty, like Chris said, against Alabama State. You know, FSU worked really hard to get him eligible and uh, – I think the fact that he hasn't really cracked his, you know, it hasn't really emerged in the rotation when they really can't seemingly get too settled uh, shows just how far off he is right now. And, uh, and I've heard that, you know, maybe he's struggling to kind of understand some of the, the concepts of the offense still at this point. So if that is true, uh, it's hard to envision him playing any kind of meaningful snaps this season. Uh, let's move the on. Jarvis no blooded. Uh, this is kind of a repeat, uh, but I'll I'll throw it out there if there's anything else you guys want to elaborate here. The Friday night rumor for the Friday night rumor for Sinone should be that Jordan Travis is starting. Just watch his head pop Somebody off his shoulder. That for me, please. Yep, twenty eight followers. Do it first. Next, who do you guys think should be the starter on Saturday, and who do you think who do you guys think Taggart will start on Saturday? Is that quarterback? We've already talked about this. If someone if someone starts a Jordan Travis rumor, I swear to God, I quit. I'm done. I'm done. He's just gonna roll out of. We'll be rolling down on 95 or some highway, and he'll just open the door. Just roll out. Some people may like to see that. So if you guys want want me to go cover UCF or whatever it is, uh, you know, start a Jordan Travis rumor. All right, Jay Samonovic. Samonovic. Oh, God, this is a long question. I'm going to mess this up. Uh, we have one of the worst offensive lines in the country. Yeah, true. Yeah, we, we recruit average at best at the position. True. Yes. And in a portion of the country, specifically Florida, that outside of the top tier isn't known for offensive linemen. You can find some big guys in Georgia. Uh, why have we not expanded our footprint to the Midwest or Mid-Atlantic for some offensive line talent? Uh, goes into the, some other detail of guys that have been whiffs in the region. 
Uh, curious to get your thoughts on the recruiting footprint right now for Florida State. I thought they would have more with, with Bryles and Clements, uh, would have a little bit more traction with the Texas kids, uh, but that hasn't come to fruition just yet. They've offered like three dozen offensive tackles, so they've kind of spread a net. It's just a matter of if you got to get them at some point. Anything on that, Josh? Nope. We're losing Josh. I could feel it. You're F- yeah, I know. I know. FSU versus stay with me, baby. FSU versus the world. <laughs> Why does Taggart's weak demeanor in games and in pre- press conferences piss me off? I mean, right, that's a you problem. You got to go talk to your therapist about that one. Yeah, that's a you problem. If you know, if you know he's going to do that, then just stop watching it, right? And like, if a guy's demeanor is a guy's demeanor, it's his demeanor. Like at some point, accept that's who and what he is. I mean, has he been more prickly this year with stuff? Sure, but you know what? Three and three and things going rough kind of do that to people. <laughs> All right, the last question. All right, using the NRB. This is from Newton Null. One of my favorites uh, using the NRBF metric. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, NRBF is knee resting bitch face <laughs> 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 with an over under of three to four for this point in the season. Uh, where do Josh and Brennan find the NRBF metric for this podcast coming off the Clemson beatdown? Uh, what do you project for the NRBF after the weight game? Uh, um, so, I think so, Chris so was. Wait, I think Chris just was. Just make sure we have the line set. So it's it's <laughs> three point five, I guess, or how many times Chris gives us the NRBF? And right now he's been really really happy today, which is weird. So uh, so yeah, after the wake game, if they come out and lose to wake, uh, I'm going over for the NRBF. I think he'll just be done. I'm going to take the over. Chris was extra salty before we started. I think. He's still upset. Was he, not. he didn't get You're that moral victory. You're telling lies. He didn't get that moral victory over the weekend, and he's been extra I'm salty. Done with moral victories. It's all about wins, and it's all about losses. There's so, nothing in between. This is what you taught me, Newberg. <laughs> all right. Well, that was the last question. I'm taking the over, but we do still have to want to hit on a few more things. Um, it wasn't asked, but this week, four-star cornerback Jalen Harrell decommitted from Florida State. The Knolls dropped to number 14 in the rankings. Were they um, 10 before, Josh? What were they yeah, before that? So they, they, fell, were, they were 10 overall. They dropped to 14. They FSU fell after. four spots from one guy? The margin's really tight with the four teams. Clearly. Wow. Sorry, go on. Yeah. And um, they now have 20 commitments. I expect FSU to sign somewhere between 25 and 27. That likely gives them another six to eight spots available somewhere in that range. Um, And I don't necessarily know if they're going to jump out and grab another defensive back. I think they're okay with this class. Chris, what are you hearing? Anything you want to add? I mean, we know Kendall Dennis is coming in on the 2nd of November. He's a DB they've been involved with a long time. It's been a little, you know, hot and cold as far as how much effort they've made with him. But he's a real talented dude. He's a guy that, you know, when they took Derek Bermudez, I actually would have preferred that spot for Kendall Dennis. That's not a knock on Derek. I just think Kendall's a really good player. Um, you know, I think they're going to continue to look at edge rushers, offensive tackles, defensive tackles, those positions of need. I think at some point with numbers, it really comes down to want versus priority and need. And that's where they're going to have to weigh things. You know, we're, we know they're still in the market for no receiver, not running back. You know, we're talking about a DB. That's three of eight spots, basically, if we're going with the max. 
that leaves you five. So, you know, where do you start wiggling and going away from certain things that are needs? Is a not DB really a need? Probably not for FSU right now, but they love collecting DBs. It's kind of been a status quo thing for them over the last three coaching staff. So, yeah. What do you think about the timing of this? Because I saw on the message board you were trying to spin this as a mutual decision to part ways. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't spin spinning it. Spin it. Spin it. I was, you got, I was hold on. spinning it. I was straight up told it was a mutual parting of the ways when uh, I asked the source involved with FSU. Whether or not that's true is for others to figure out, but that is what I was told. Yeah, I and just have a spin. hard time believing that um, coming off of a blowout loss to Clemson, when you're trying to create recruiting momentum that you decide at this point to get rid of a four-star corner out of the Miami area when Maurice Goolsby sat on your commit list for how many months? And, yeah, you know, so I just have a hard time, you know, you can't, you can't try to sell me on that. Um, we decided that after the Clemson loss that we need to part ways with this guy. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say on the counterpoint to that, shut up, Sonone, is that they, uh, we we know that they want guys that are firmly in the class, and yes. out of the guys who were committed, Jalen is one who, well, he was fairly firm. He never completely shut off others in his recruitment, and he was upfront about that. That's not something he did in secrecy. He, you know, he was still entertaining others. I think also the transfer from Central to a different school this year could have played a slight role in this relationship changing from when he committed to where we are now. I have an idea to fix the offensive line issues since they love loading up on defensive backs. And since it's almost Halloween, just get like one of those sumo wrestler costumes, the big, you know, inflatable ones and put two, uh, two cornerbacks in there to make one offensive lineman. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Spilled that. How about that? Yeah, Chris, I agree. I think um, Harold probably was the one, one of the loose ends out there and he is at a defensive back position that isn't a, a major concern right now. Um, but moving forward, yeah, I like the guy. I like Kendall Dennis. I think they have a shot at him. Jacquez Robinson, we got to see what happens if he shakes loose with Alabama. Um, yeah. And then you hit on the Travis J stuff. So let's make our final predictions and get out of here then. Um, we got Wake Forest this weekend. FSU's a – what's the line right now? Is it still one and a half or two? Let's see. I'll it was two. Up. It was two and a half as of this morning, as of Thursday two morning. It pushed to two and a half. Okay. It had gone up to three, I think, when it for, it was two and a half. Went up to three. Went back down to two and a half. Uh, first time FSU has been a underdog to Wake Forest, I believe, since two thousand and nine, which was Bobby's last year. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of two thousand and nine uh, spreads coming back up into the to the fold now this this year because that was like really the low point of the uh the end of the Bowden tenure um so you know the Clemson so spread was the largest uh FSU will win 38 to 35 how about that I I don't know if it will be that high scoring because I think it's going to be kind of sloppy weather wise or predicting a good bit of rain during the game um I think that will force both teams on both the ground onto the ground if Jamie Newman plays for Wake, I think Wake can uh, can beat FSU. Won't be an upset by do think they could beat FSU without Jamie Newman. I think FSU wins. I didn't really think about a score, but I guess I'll go with thirty-one twenty-eight. Yeah, and this is unofficial. I haven't ran it through my algorithm yet, but I'm gonna <laughs> early on. I feel like it's gonna be close, but I do think FSU wins. I think it's gonna be forty-one thirty-eight. You guys are expecting a nice little shootout. I mean, oh, shoot out, shoot they, out at Snuggy Hill. Both of those teams have such dominant. De- Never mind, I'm not gonna get, be negative. Hey, what do you think Josh's algorithm looks like, Chris? 
Oh, him, man, I don't him, know. Si- him sitting on the couch. Hey, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? What my own? <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful mind over there. You show some respect. <laughs> All right, for Brendan Snow and Chris Nee, I'm Josh Newberg, and we're on the bench. <laughs> <laughs>